Well, this is an unlikely occasion. I'm actually, it's actually the broad daylight. I just got done appearing on a matter that was granted. And I'm just about to take a drive to Target. I need to buy some reading glasses. Mine went missing. I don't know where they are, so I'm gonna go there. Today we're going to finish 1 Samuel see what happens to Saul and Jonathan. Um, it's not good. Today we, uh, after I get my reading glasses, I'm yawning. I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go home, be with you four lovely children, and we're gonna do some work. Do some work. I, I love it. Now you, like you kids, already know exactly what I'm gonna say. If I, uh, Usually your kids are around a screen, and I'll come in and be like, hey, listen, in 10 minutes, and they're like, we know, we're gonna go work, we're gonna go clean, which is, it's hilarious to me. Your kids know. So we're gonna tidy up the backyard, I think, make sure that's all done and ready for the party on Saturday. I don't know what else to do. And uh, clean up the inside of the house. We'll probably do more of that on Friday. But I've really enjoyed every Sunday evening we have a family meeting, and it's usually over dinner, and we just talk about things we need to be working on, things we're doing great, things we're grateful for. And that's been really, excuse me, it's been really transformative in our family. So I look forward to those. We had an amazing birthday for the king. I got home like around five. And I'm, you know, just getting settled in. And I turned to him and said, hey, what do you want to do for, your, for the rest of the day, for your birthday? And you, out of, just out of left field, said you want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Now, I'm not a big fan of Chuck E. Cheese. I don't like crowds or noise or bright lights. Or, or other kids. Most people I don't like either, especially parents. So going to Chuck E. Cheese is kind of like the opposite of where I want to go. And I kind of tried to be like, oh, are you sure you don't want to do this or that? And you're like, nope, Chuck E. Cheese. I'm like, shoot, it's birthday, I gotta go. And because your mom's still recovering from her concussion, she can't be in bright lights or loud noises. She's gotta rest her brain. So it heals. So she's, I told her, I convinced her, you gotta stay in. She's gonna bring her eye mask and earplugs. I mean, it's not worth it. It's, you gotta stay home. So she stayed home. I took you four kids to Chuck E. Cheese. And we had a ball. I ordered some pizza you guys didn't eat. I got you guys these cards, like all you could play tokens for like a couple hours. And you guys went off and did great. There weren't that many kids there, and there weren't that many parents there, and I didn't, I didn't feel like I didn't have a lot of stimulation overload, which I usually do when I go to, this, go to places like that. So it was great. You guys played this teenage, teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. There's like four players, and you guys played that for a while and beat it. 
It was really cool. You guys were so excited. I, I haven't seen you guys that excited in so long. And as we were walking into Chuck E. Cheese, the entrepreneur and the namesake were like, I don't want to be here. You know, kind of like, I'm, we're too old for this. And then as everyone was leaving, including the entrepreneur and the namesake, it's like, this is the best birthday party ever. Like, they were so, you guys were so excited. It's really cute. Really cute. We got home. You guys showered. And then we had an ice cream party. Then we went to bed. I am yawning up a storm. Sorry about that. Uh, I almost said a name. The, the spy, the youngest, he asked if I could sleep with him. And which means, can I lay down with him for a little bit? And I said, of course, and, and I moved my hand a little bit, and I didn't realize you had ran up close to me, and my fingernail, I guess, was sharp, and it hit you in the face, and it made your lips start bleeding, and I felt so bad, and you were, like, weeping in pain, and your mom, unbeknownst to me, had other plans that night, and now I kind of ruined them because you like demanded to sleep in our bed, and it was just so. I felt so bad for you, pal. I mean, there's a lot of blood in the mouth, and the face bleeds a lot. So that was a great parenting mistake. And then I went to the office. I was in the office all day today, and that's about it. I don't know if this is even interesting, to you guys. Hopefully, it is. Hopefully, it is. The idea is you listen to this when I'm much older. I'll have a different voice then, too. I listen, I watched my dad give a toast at a wedding a few years ago. And his voice was a little bit more high-pitched. So maybe our, maybe our voices change over time. I bet it does. Maybe mine will be more gravelly. Who knows? Uh, oh, comic book place is open. Let me go there. I don't know. Once I go home, I'm home for the day. It's Thursday, or no, what day is it? Is it? It's Wednesday. And so I'm gonna go home. We're gonna, we're gonna get some work done. I'm gonna work hard because I like pleasing your mom. Take take note, children, especially my three men. You guys, there's a trick to keeping a wife happy, and one of those th- and there's like I could write a book. One of those things is to do chores without them asking you to do them. If you see garbage laying around, pick it up. Don't wait for your wife to be like, oh, could you pick this up? What's going on? Men take initiative on things. That includes housework. That includes yard work. And uh, I make my daughter do yard work too. You know, growing up, I would have to mow the lawn and edge the lawn and throw the grass clippings away and that was like my job. And my sister's jobs, they rotated cleaning the kitchen. And during any summer, my mom, of course, went to work and she said, I want this house clean by the time I get home, which means cleaning the kitchen and cleaning the rest of the house, vacuuming, dusting, all that good stuff. One day I did everything except the kitchen, and then my sister. My youngest sister said, "George, why don't we? Well, just say my name. Why don't we do that from now on? You clean everything else, and we'll clean the kitchen." I was like, "Oh, okay." And so I did that, and I didn't realize till later on in life they had the easier job. 
but it's neither here nor there. What are digressions? I should rename this podcast from For the Kingdom of the King to uh, Digressions. Just, just digress. But, but anyways, how are you guys doing? Good, I hope. Hope you're dealing with a lot. A lot of parents want their children to be happy. I think that's stupid. I think that's bad theology. The apostles weren't happy. They were. They were driven. They had purpose. They weren't. I mean, I I I would put it to you. Eleven of the twelve apostles died. They were killed brutally. So I don't want you kids to be happy. And one of our parents says, I just want you to be happy to a kid. They're idiots. I do not want you to get, I mean, of course, I want happiness for you. But what I want is, I want you kids to understand your purpose in life. That's what I want. And in finding your purpose, you will have contentment. You can't be happy all the time. That's insane. The two richest people in the world, you would think money gives happiness. Well, consider this. The two richest people in the world today... A man named Jeff Bezos and uh, Elon Musk, worth between themselves well over a trillion, and I think Elon Musk will become a trillionaire in my lifetime. They got divorced. So money doesn't bring happiness. Faith does. Faith in Jesus Christ and knowing the purpose He has for you in this lifetime. I think I know my purpose, and maybe one day I'll share it with you. But seek God. Seek seek Him and find your purpose there. I know one of the purposes of any Christian. You know what it is? Go out. Go out and teach people about Jesus. Maybe people in your household. Maybe your neighbors. And I'm not a very good proselytizer, so... I just try and have this air of just being a good guy, very generous. Because people have asked me, why are you like this? Why did you do this for me? Why did you sweep my, my porch? Why did you sweep my driveway? Well, you know, why did you ask me to go to the dumps? You know, or to, to, if you have anything to go to the dumps. Why'd, you know, why are you so patient with your kids? They've never asked me that, by the way. Um, I'll tell them, you know, I'm a Christian. And I want to be like Christ was when he was on earth. And I'm not going to shove it down your throat. If you want to know more, come to church with me. And that's it. Faith is a spectrum. Once you ask Jesus into your heart, there's nothing you could really do to, to be taken from him. Although there are some verses in Matthew, I think Matthew or 1 Peter, that says that not all people who believe in Jesus go to heaven. Which is true. But you have to, that's because Jesus never knew you. You can believe in Jesus, but if he never knew you, what's the point? So, here's your purpose in life. Get to know Jesus. Lean into him. Read about him. Talk about him. 
I almost want to end the podcast with uh, S.L. Lockridge's uh, sermon on Jesus, trying to describe him, which I, I've done before on this podcast. He says he can't get him off of his mind, Jesus. He can't get him off his hands. He can't stop talking about him. Well, I don't talk about Jesus that much, and I'm convicted on that every day. And I hope, beyond hope, you're better than I am. I just pull up to Target. I'm going to pause it for now. When I get back, maybe I'll be eating something or drinking. I don't know what I'll be doing, but we'll read the rest of uh, 1 Samuel. See you in a bit. So on a scale of from 1 to 10, 10 being the most productive shopping trip at Target, I think I could safely call that a 1 or a 2 at most. The purpose of going to Target was getting reading glasses, of which I did not come back with. But I did get beef jerky, king-size Reese peanut butter cups, uh, Mountain Dew, of course, and some extra track for Hot Wheels. I got another big Hot Wheel track for you guys to play with, and I'm very excited about it. So yeah, so it wasn't uh, successful. I'm just going to drive and find a place in this parking lot where there's shade. We'll read some of the Bible. Yeah, darn it. Oh well. I'll find uh, reading glasses somewhere else. Or I won't. And like my vision will just get worse and worse. Where am I gonna go? Not a lot of places. It's like so bright today. Just love a place just right in the shade. Nobody bothers me. Nope. People parking only. I'll park right here. Still not in the shade, but I don't. I do not care. Do not care. What are they going to do? Oh, boy. Okay. What about this truck? All right. <clears throat> Great. Next to a Pro, shut up, recording. Good, so I thought. Chapter 27. Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, he and six hundred men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Malch, king of Gath. 
And David lived with Achish at Gath, and he and his men, every man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel, and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. And when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given me in one of your country towns, that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you, so that day Achish gave him Ziklag? Therefore Ziklag had belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And the number of the days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and made raids against the Jeshurites, the Gizrites, and the Amalekites, for these were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as Shur to the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land and would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the garments, and come back to Achish. When Achish asked, Where have you made a raid today? David would say, Against the Negeb of Judah, or against the Negeb of the, of the Jer Jeremelites, or against the Negeb of the Kenites. And David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking, Lest they should tell about us and say, So David is done. So David, oh yeah. Such was his custom all the while he lived in the country of the Philistines. And Achish trusted David, thinking he has made himself an utter stench to his people of Israel. Therefore he shall always be my servant. Chapter 28 In those days the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, Very well, you shall know that your servant can, what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. Of course, to the Star Wars references. Let me guess up. Of course, there's a medium at Endor. I'm going to have a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. No, wait, should I finish this? How long is this chapter? So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went. He and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, Divine for me by a spirit, and bring up for me whoever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, probably because she had always been faking him. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. 
And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I should do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek, Amalek. Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. And Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there is no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul. And when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand, and I have listened to what you have said to me. Now therefore you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you, and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she quickly killed it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. Prepare meat really quickly. Chapter 29. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces to Aphek, and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing, on in the rear with Achish. The commanders of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, uh, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But, he, but the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him, and the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, that he may return to the place for which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his lord? Would it not be that the heads of his men here? Uh, would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they sing to one another in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his tens, ten thousands? Then Achish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been honest, and to me it seems right that you should march out uh, and in with me in the campaign. For I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, But what have I done? What have you, what have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are, a blame, you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to battle. Now then, <clears throat> rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you, and start early in the morning, and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Chapter 30 
Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev against the Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each of his sons and daughters, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out, and the six hundred men who were with him, uh, and they came to the brook Besor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, two hundred stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook. They found an Egyptian in the open countryside and brought him to David, and they gave him bread and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. When he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the, uh, the Negev of the Chethrites, and against which belongs to Judah, and against Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you to the, down to this band. And we had, when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except four hundred young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything, that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him, and he said, This is David's spoil. Then David came to the two hundred men who had been too exhausted to follow David, and who had been left at the brook Besor. They went out to meet David, and to meet the people who were with him. When David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers. With what the Lord has given us, he has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as a share is who goes down into the battle, so his share is who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to the city. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It is for those in Bethel, in Ramoth, of the Negev, in Jatir, in Eror, in Sifmoth, in Eshtemoth, in Rakal, in the seas of the Jeremielites, in the seas of the Kenites, of 
in Hormah, in Orashan, in Athak, in Hebron, for all the places where David and his men had roamed. <clears throat> Give me one second. Chapter 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchichua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through, and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men on the same day together. When the men of Israel, who were on the other side of the valley, and those beyond the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and lived in them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of the Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. They took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. And that is it for 1 Samuel. I, uh, lots going on. Again, that, that book... Song of War does a great kind of like a supplement to to that uh, scene where they want to stone David. Um, they like the author creates a speech David gives, and the speech is a lot like Alexander the Great's speech as he's talking to his troops supposed to be one of the greatest speeches ever. He's trying to rally his troops to um, prevent them, I think, from killing him. So the speech is... I mean, it's fictional, but it's interesting. The Bible kind of skips forward. Oh, they wanted to stone him. Oh, then he inquired of the Lord. I'm sure there's a lot of dialogue between them. Between them wanting to stone him and David leading 600 men. I also appreciated where David said to the men who actually fought, you're not going to keep the possessions of the men that were too exhausted to keep going. Yeah, that just wouldn't be fair. It's an interesting rule. Uh, next to 2 Samuel... You think there's action in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, so I think more exciting. There's There will be 
um, a lot of fighting between David's family and Saul's family because David agreed to not to, to protect Jonathan's family. There's gonna be a lot of issues with that going forward, at least for the first third of the first of Second Samuel. Right, a new prophet rises up, Nathan. Learn about David's mighty men. I love I love stories of David's mighty men, especially Uriah, the Hittite, also Bathsheba's wife. But he's um, heavily featured in that book, this Song of War. Well, I think that's it for this podcast for now. I'm gonna head back to the office and edit it and post it, and then I'm gonna head home see what you kids are doing. Maybe we'll have some fun before we uh, do a lot of work. We gotta go shopping for this party. I get a cake and like food. Uh, anyways, love you kids. And I am very proud of you. And uh, in all that you do, in everything you do, everything you do today, and from now on, do it for the kingdom and the king. I love you. As I sing of where my loyalties will rest To never wait on the governments to move As the broken and the poor cry out I'm